Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all. It's week 14 here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew teasing you on a Tuesday, Betts. We're here, baby. We're back. Yes, it is uh, Tuesday. The Tuesday show is quietly like one of my favorites of the week because I feel like you just get to flip the page, uh, you know, figuratively and Kyle, literally. Uh, I sent you a picture today. Brand new page in my, you know, notebook that I have that I write down all my notes for the week. And uh, when I sent it to you, it was empty for week 14. That was about an hour and a half ago. Um, I'm already on to page two. So I am full, fully into it. I'm ready. And um, I'm excited for week 14. The slate is going to be interesting because compared to last week's, I think it's going to be kind of low scoring. I'm excited to talk about this one because there's one game that's above them, all, uh, above them all. And it's been the most, you know, bet game back and forth. The lines moved. And it is nice to have a clean slate. You know, when you when you showed me that notebook, I was like, wow, that thing is just ready for us to lose some money maybe, maybe gain some money. I think Whatever I'll it take is, option two. I'm always brimming with optimism, but I love it in our Discord channel because the people, I think they get the attitude of this podcast. Like, if you're here with us, you're here for DFS for the rest of us. Maybe you're learning the game the right way. You're here for community. You want to win some cash for the holidays. And then there's the people that are also like, hey, I'm ready to lose money this week. I, I, I couldn't be more happy <laughs> than to lose money with my friends on that's, my Discord channel. Yeah, you know, that's that's part of it too. Like when you have a bad week, you know someone else that you know playing the game is also going to have a bad week. So, you know, you, you bond together over <laughs> over the sadness. That's what this is all about. Yeah, and I just want people to realize we're, we're going to be talking about our cash lineups in a second. But, you know, we talk to people around the industry. We play people sometimes head-to-head around the industry. And the cash line is so much harder than people realize to hit that consistently. If you look over the course of a season... And out of the 18 weeks plus, you know, playoff stuff, but out of the 18 weeks, if you were to hit 12 or 13, that's amazing to be able to do that consistently. I know we have some people in the industry that are able to do that, you know, 15 out of 18 weeks. That's an incredible year, especially when it comes to injuries, which I feel like was part of the story. Did you avoid injuries this past week? So let's talk about our cash lineups from this past week. Straight cash, homie. 
We'll talk about our own cash lineups, but a lot of people were asking me about the fantasy faceoff lineup that I went mono imano imano against Jason and Andy, and your boy came out victorious. But I just want to say that it didn't feel as good as I wanted it to, considering Jason had Kenneth Walker in his lineup. Uh, they had Hayden Hurst, who got knocked out pretty quickly. Um, he also had Aaron Jones, who was in and out. So it, the victories don't feel as sweet, but it was good that I got to like stand up blow for blow and just destroy the owners of this company. Yeah, I mean, let, listen, yeah, let those guys stay in their lane. We'll handle the DFS stuff over <laughs> here. Um, that was fun, it, and also, it's <laughs> I felt bad about it, man, because like along the week, you know, you were asking me, Andy was asking me, they're like. Bets is Najee going to play? I was like, I'd be surprised if he does. Well, sure enough, removed from the final injury report, and you guys lock him into your lineup Friday morning. <laughs> so I felt bad about that one, and um, you know, that's kind of the way things go. But that was fun to sweat that with you, kind of just as you know, your DFS co-host and, and partner. I just didn't want to get you, want you to get shame, man. I, I couldn't I couldn't allow that to happen for our show. No, the the con the contest and the competition was mostly what's fun. We had to lock in our lineups Friday morning. So there's nothing really I could do other than just, you know, sweat. And I watched those final games with Jason here at the studio. Um, but yeah, it was fun to be a part of that. For our cash lineups, I think the news that changed from when we recorded to over the weekend was Samaj P. Ryan. He became someone that was a top three back in our final DFS top plays, our best plays. And I feel like that was one of those things that he wasn't great. But he was good for what you avoided if you wanted to go in other directions. So I think my big takeaway for people is just to stay with the news. It's okay that you're not locked in. And I thought on Friday that David Montgomery would just be in my lineup. And he was fine, 16.7. But for me, it was one of those things where I moved on to Pirine and it helped me stay on Burrow because I just love that stack so much. Yeah, I agree. You know, there was a couple lineups that I looked at that were off of Burrow, but when I kept thinking about just how he's been playing, <clears throat> how the offense has been playing, and how they've operated, and the overall game environment, to me, like, you know, it was Amon Ra, it was Garrett Wilson, and then I was like, I, I can't come off of Burrow. There's no way. So, yeah, that was, um, I feel like, one of those situations that if there is a close, you know, discrepancy between quarterbacks, sometimes I'll lean with whatever lets me pay up elsewhere, but Burrow's ceiling in that spot, I felt, was, was massive. You know, he was great. He didn't really have like his best game ever, but 30 drafting his points at 6,900, you'll take. And, um, you know, I just want to let you know, Kyle, you, you said Samaj Piran wasn't great. <laughs> 24 and a half drafting his points really? at 6K is pretty great. Yeah, 106 rush yards and 49 receiving yards to add six catches. And, yeah, you know, Joe Mixon wasn't really in the conversation for us because his price, but Piran, who honestly is giving us like 85, 90, 95 the right. same production, <laughs> do I say, as Joe Mixon, um, you know, is different at 6K, what he has to do, where Mixon was obviously more expensive and, and he got ruled out. So that's what changed. Um, but yeah, you know, there was a lot of questions that I got to in Discord, like, can you play those two guys together? And, you know, we talked about on the show, like, Burrow is targeting the running back a ton. So yes, that's totally fine. And in cash, you know, we care more about median outcome rather than ceiling. So totally fine with me on that front. We moved from our cash game pool, like what we talk about on Tuesday or the Friday, to in the DFS pass, we give our best plays. Like, here's who we think, in terms of points per dollar, in terms of how you construct your roster, are the best plays. So it was interesting when we got to Friday and Saturday. I had some players in my lineup that I felt so good about because our top three wide receivers were in my lineup: Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, and then Christian Kirk was one of those players that 
you could have gone back and forth between Christian Kirk or Zay Jones, and Zay Jones was just an utter disaster if you were counting on the same type of production. But when you can get those players in your lineup, you know, I airballed with George Kittle. I was obsessed with George Kittle this past week, and I think you thought he was in a good spot, but I don't know. When we get Brock Purdy in there, things change. Oh, man, that that hurts so bad. We had the... We had the over on Kittle with the Debo injury news because of the splits. We also took the under on Debo for the injury risk, thinking that he wouldn't be 100%. Uh, those were up for two. And yes, my best GPP lineup <clears throat> had George Kittle in there. That snowflake just staring me in the face is going to keep me up at night. It was a uh, 2.4K uh, you know, tournament with that many entrants. I came in 30th with the Kittle issue. So if I would have had just like someone to give me anything at that spot... Would have been a big week, but that's how the game goes. And unfortunately, you know, those wins don't come around very often. So when they're there, you got to take them. I have one more question, and it's about Devontae Adams, who was our top play on FanDuel. We said, like, you have to play play him. Um, and my question is, you and I were really big on him. I think most people were. But in tournaments, I got to play Devontae Adams, and the Chargers stack didn't really get there. My question is, when we have a player that we love – that is projected for, you know, in our projections, 20-plus points on DraftKings and has a history of just going off huge target shares. Is that a player that we need to start changing our process of saying, like, I have to get him in? Because points per dollar, I wouldn't say he projected as well on DraftKings. He was expensive. On FanDuel, it was a different conversation. But on DraftKings, he wasn't someone that I felt like I could fit in because of the rest of my roster. But is, is he is he the type of player in a smash spot like that, like a Justin Jefferson that's expensive this week, that if they're in a good spot, we're like, okay, I just have to get them in my lineup. I mean, no player, in my opinion, do you have to play in certain situations. What? I, you could argue Garrett Wilson this past week was a must play. Um, but there's no one that I'm saying like every week, like you got to play this guy no matter what. You could talk me into or out of, you know, three to five quarterbacks every week, six to seven running backs. And then like I got 10 wide receivers in my pool that I'm trying to figure out. So no one to me is ever in that situation where you have to have to play them. That said, you know, what we're trying to look for with wide receivers, especially that can be reliable in DFS, we know that in general, blanket statement, wide receivers are inconsistent, but target trends are very consistent and certain teams have certain trends that you just can't ignore. For example, Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, those sort of things that the analysis from us is like, He's going to see 10 plus targets. What do you what do you want us to tell you kind of thing? But, you know, those kind of guys, I think, are less uh, uncomfortable to not play, if that makes sense. Whereas, like, you know, there's going to be cheap guys in this, like, 4K range every week. Nico Collins, for example, that, you know, he's so cheap and he's in a good spot. But, my God, like, if he got two targets, no one should be surprised, right? So, it's just totally different conversation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this week there's a bunch of guys in smash spots. We'll talk about them. Devontae, though, yeah, man, what a stud. These last four four games, just seeing like 12, 13, 14 targets every single week. I was a little mad at Nico Collins because I faded him. You played him. I mean, I was happy for you. I, w- I really was. I was I was really happy for you. No, you weren't. I was not because he scored a touchdown at the very end. It was garbage time stuff, um, but he's getting the targets. Whatever. Like it, it's, it's a weird feeling. You want to be happy for your friend, but you know it's hurting your own cash lineup. Whatever. If you want to get all of our picks, you can get them in the DFS Pass, dfspass.com. We've mentioned before, and this it's beyond a running joke at this point. It's actually offensive to us and our families that the footballers would put this thing out there at 66% off for the rest of the year going through the playoffs. We work hard. We do our jobs. We try to help the people out, and this is how they repay us. So if you want to hang out with us for the rest of the year, 
and get a crazy amount off. If you bought the UDK, it's 10 bucks. Plus, you know, use the DFS pod promo code. And to us, it says you love us, but to the company, it says you still hate us, right? That's pretty much how I'd sum it up, yes. And that's essentially the price of a stocking stuffer this time of year if you celebrate Christmas. So, yeah, get in there. Make sure you're uh, you're purchasing that thing. I mean, with the prices that they are, like, my kids might not go to college. So that's where we're at these days. But, yeah, no, it's great. Go get the DFS pass. All right, let's move on. State of the main slate. Bets, we're moving on to week 14. And each week, we refer to the lines at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's where Bets and I play. Let's check in with a little wager we made this past week. I'll just say, there was nothing more American this past week than us losing some money on the good US of A, right? I mean, is there a better way to serve your country? No, that's the most American thing you can do. I, I, I wanted to support you know, local businesses, support the economy, and I did by donating to a USA <laughs> loss. Um, I'm also sweating. I'll just checking in here. I'm sweating Washington Commanders over seven and a half. Now, that sounds like a simple thing, except they tied this past week against the Giants. They're on by, so I, I, I can't get that this week, but I have a couple more weeks to get one more win from the Washington Commanders over seven and a half. I like your chances. I think they can get there. I don't know if they'll get to nine or 10, but they can get to eight for sure. Um, speaking of a win total, one that you laughed at this past summer and you said, everyone's doing it. I got to be the cool kid that doesn't do this. Well, look at us now, Kyle. Look at the Detroit Lions win total of six and a half. It looked dead a month ago, like just straight up had zero chance. But when you look at what they've done since week nine, they beat Green Bay, they beat the Bears, they beat the Giants. Okay, they lose a close one to Buffalo on Thanksgiving. They destroy Jacksonville. Four wins in their last five games. The win total is now back on track. It is at five and a half currently, or, or five wins rather is where they're at. They need to get to six and a half. We're going to talk about this game. They are favored and money is pouring in on the Lions at home. What could go wrong against the Vikings? The Jets should be tough, but then they get Carolina, Chicago, and Green Bay is clearly uh, trending in the wrong direction. So I feel pretty good about that. That bet's going to hit. God, I was looking at the schedule too, and I was like, I mean, I'm happy for you. I really am. I'm no, happy for you. You're a liar. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, yeah, they're going to get there. I think they're. I think two wins can happen. Now we'll talk about this game because that's a lot of lot of money moving in a different direction this week with the line with the Bengals, or Bengals, the Vikings and the Lions. So this week, let's talk about the slate context for Week 14. We have a lot of teams on by, which is just stupid, stupid from a scheduling standpoint, and I hate it. For some of my redraft teams that have like, I don't know, guys like Jonathan Taylor, Chris Olave, David Montgomery, all on by at the same time. Who are you going to play, Tony Jones Jr.? Uh, I'm hoping to get maybe maybe James Cook or uh, <laughs> that's about it. That's yeah, I mean, I that, that tells you a lot about the DFS slate too, right? Like it's going to be, I think, low scoring. It's only 10 games, which we know that that generally tends to uh, bring down the ceiling especially considering the game stacks aren't really that appealing outside of Minnesota and Detroit because that's the only one north of 50, right? And then like, okay, you drop down. Sometimes we say, oh, don't be afraid of this 48 and a half total. Nope, that's not there. We got to go to 47 and a half and 46 for Cleveland and Cincy and Philly and New York. And then it's just a bunch of low 40s. And there's two games, Kyle, at 37 points. 37 is so low and it's so bad. So this slate, I think is going to be really gross. Like you're going to feel uncomfortable, I think, with your lineup. 
But sometimes, you know, I've said before, I love these slates because I think if you're more plugged in, you kind of understand the slate context, you know, you really can have a leg up on the competition. So I am excited about this growth slate. You can lean into a couple of teams. We'll talk about team implied totals, but, you know, the Cowboys are 16 and a half point favorites. I'm interested for us to talk about that game and how, because we're not going to preview that later on the week. It's only at 44 and a half, but what can we do with the Cowboys side knowing they have a massive team implied total and they've been awesome same thing with the Chiefs. You know, they're nine point road favorites, but they play Russell Wilson. So can you do anything there? And then same thing with the Bills. I think that's a sneaky game we'll talk about in a second. Bills and Jets. Hit me with the 50 point total games. Yeah, man. It's just that one. You know, it's the the Vikings on the road taking on the fighting Dan Campbells in Detroit. And it's on the rise. It's at, on the dock right now. I have 53. I actually just saw it on one book at 53 and a half. And the line, as of yesterday, when we were making our doc, was at minus one. And I logged in and I was like, ah, that seems a little fishy. Well, in 24 hours, it is all the way up to two and a half. So money is pouring in. And the juice actually is minus 115 to minus two and a half. So it's really like a minus three. So it will get to minus three, I think, by the time we record on uh, Thursday for the Friday show. Kyle, what if ahead. I told you that this line actually opened on Monday at Minnesota minus one and a half? Wow. So you're really moving the lines. I know how much that- you love, love the lines. Well, I'm definitely not betting on the lines, but the people are. I mean, that's just to give people some perspective, like a line moving in a day, you know, three and a half, almost four points. Like that's a really big deal. Yeah, it's a ton. So that's the only one at the top, though, you know, 53 and a half points. And like I said, you got to go to Cleveland and Cincy at 47 and a half. And then the Eagles and Giants at 46 is the next one on the list. So it's a, a really interesting slate because that game is going to be so popular in terms of stacking and game stacking that you kind of have to get, I think, a little uncomfortable in these other spots if you want to gain leverage on the field. Do you feel like this is a week where, you know, usually we preview games and say, here's how you stack this, pick this game and stack it. But when I'm looking at the team implied totals, we have six teams that are above 26 for their team implied total. Like I'm playing teams more this week. And then obviously looking at that Vikings Lions game, but like, I'm buying into a team and an offense more this week. Yeah, I agree. I think this is more of a slate that you don't have to game stack. If you feel differently with putting a bring back in there, then it makes sense. And for me, especially on FanDuel, that'll be the case because when you look at what wins GPPs on FanDuel, you have to have touchdown variants go in your way. And so like, if you're playing the Cowboys, which for good reason you should, are you really going to play a Texan and hope they get it in the end zone? Their team total is all the way down at like 15 points or something like that. So that's an example. And then of course, like the chiefs are in a great spot, but it's Russell Wilson, the Broncos. Are you really going to play one of those guys? So yeah, I agree. I think this is more a slate where you buy into teams you like. I'm not going to force a bring back in my GPP lineups unless it makes sense. Did you see the uh, winning Millie maker lineup from this past week? I did. Old Geno Smith. It basically broke my heart that I looked at this lineup. Hey, congratulations. I've never done this. Uh, but I just, I it, it broke my my brain of like, oh, this is how you would build a winning lineup in terms of stacking and bringing backs. Like, it was Geno and then stack with Lockett. It was two commanders, Brian Robinson and Logan Thomas at five points. It was two Jets, Zonovan Knight, Garrett Wilson. And then, yes, they got the Browns defense, which is, massive getting 30 points but i mean no viking to bring back like there's just so many things that was just like how is this possible um I, there's no way i could have built that lineup in a million years nope but 
here we are. And that person is winning a million bucks. So maybe we should do something different. <laughs> Jeez. So this Minnesota-Detroit game, we're saying it's going to be the most popular. Why do you think people want to play this so much this week? I mean, it's easy to speak to it for a couple of reasons. One is the narrative right now. And it's not even a narrative. It's like actual trends. Looking at what happens in the Lions home games, they just continue to put up points. And those home games are averaging 60 plus points. We saw it again. The Lions roll at home 40 points. Jared Goff, number one in EPA in week 13 among quarterbacks. So he's playing well. We know his home road splits. And again, Amon Ross St. Brown is too cheap on DraftKings. And then it's easy to be like, okay, I want to stack that. Let me see what else I can do here. Dalvin Cook, high ceiling. Justin Jefferson, high ceiling. So it's very easy to talk yourself into that dome game with that high total. Not too much to add. I just, I mean, it's two bad defenses and two great offenses. I'll be interested to see where our roster percentage projections show up for the Vikings because Dalvin Cook, we'll mention him in salary standouts, is too cheap in my opinion, but the Lions have been pretty stout against the run since week nine. They rank number two in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So uh, it's not a guarantee that, you know, the Vikings get it done, but Justin Jefferson just slays in a dome. That's just what he does, and especially against Detroit. He had a very quiet game against them. I don't know if you remember earlier this year. So uh, I think you just ignore that, and you play Justin Jefferson, and you pay up. So fun game. We'll talk about that. Both quarterbacks, you can stack. Both quarterbacks don't run the ball. So are they going to be chalky, and you can and you know that people are stacking with those quarterbacks, and it's like, okay, well, instead of trying to stack and think you're getting – you know, 30 points from Jared Goff, like look elsewhere and just use his weapons. I think it just depends on what the slate looks like. You know, I'm on, I was going to be popular. Justin Jefferson, I think is going to be popular. So like if you can find a second piece, that's going to be relatively uh, contrarian and not, and the quarterbacks aren't going to be insanely rostered. We'll talk about some of our favorite uh, standouts, but like, you know, Joe Burrow is going to take some roster percentage. Um, I think Tyler Huntley has a chance to take some because he's cheap enough for cash games. So like if Goff comes in at like five, six, seven, eight percent, I'm on Raw sitting there at 25 and then like DJ Chark's at like 10. I'm not going to shy away from Goff double stacks in that scenario. It just depends on kind of what happens with guys like Hawkinson in a revenge game, um, Adam Thielen, those kind of guys. If, if those players get steamed up, then it might make sense to look elsewhere for your quarterback stacking. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, let's talk about some sneaky games for week 14 that are kind of going under the radar. I want to talk about the Jets and the Bills. The total right now is not great. 43 and a half. Bills are nine point home favorites. But did some numbers here. In five Mike White games over the last two years, the Jets are averaging 74 offensive plays per game. That's the kind of stuff we like. We know the Bills are always, you know, up in pace. So I think you're going to get more here. I, I would take the over right now. I think these defenses both are talked about a lot, but the offensive firepower is great here. And yeah, Mike White is becoming one of those players that we want to jump on board. I do have a very big grievance, though, against Mike White and uh, his bros. Yeah, I mean, I went from loving this team in a matter of three hours hating this team. Why don't you go ahead and share? Okay, so I know that a lot of people saw on Twitter and they saw everyone else that there was some Mighty Ducks jerseys that Mike White, and everyone's like, oh, this is cool. This must be Kyle's team. I had the exact opposite reaction 
for a couple of reasons. One, <laughs> it was a bit of a try-hard thing, okay, to get noticed, like, oh, we're showing up in all of our Ducks gear. Number two, okay, so there were some inaccurate Duck jerseys I saw, including one of their, like, I don't even know who it was, some offensive lineman showing up in a Dean Portman 21 jersey from the original Ducks. Wasn't even on the team. So That's that threw off. And then I knew exactly. I think I messaged this to you, but like guaranteed loss. I just oh, knew. Yeah. I, 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 put, <laughs> I put Vikings minus three easy, and, and I won that bet. It was close, honestly. Braxton Marius dropped it. But I was like, oh, this team's definitely losing. with Trying to show up with that much swag, not cool at all. So I know. I didn't like it that much. You, don't, you also forgot to mention uh, the day before flying to Minnesota wearing the Mike White t-shirts that everyone had on. So, yes, it was uh, running was on the wall for a loss, we'll say. But in all reality, they should have won. They deserve to win because they moved the ball so easily against the Vikings. They had so many chances in the red zone. Right. If they convert one of those, they win the game. So I think you got a little lucky there. I think so. Mike White, you remember what shirt he was wearing? Uh, yes, he was wearing the Tyler Conklin shirt. OK, so you revenge game for Tyler Conklin. You got the T-shirt. The model does not work for tight ends. OK, it only works for wide receivers. And so that's why Tyler Conklin was so bad. Did I play him in a couple GPPs? You bet I did. But uh, <laughs> I wish you would have told me that before I played him. Just it, 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 the model shut down once it saw, oh, this is a tight end. Oh, dang it. All right. Well, good to know for next time. Now we adjust, we recalibrate, and we come back stronger for it. But yes, I thought of you the second I saw the Mighty Ducks jerseys. It was just, uh, it was just too good. Um, my sneaky game on this list is Cincinnati and Cleveland. And there's not too much to say about Cincinnati. We know they've been good. They keep, uh, you know, Burrow and Shotgun a ton. They're throwing a ton. They are number three in pass rate of our expectation over the last month. Burrow very quietly using his legs a ton. So Burrow's ceiling is massive. Jamar Chase, second game back into the lineup from injury. We know T. Higgins is a weekly ceiling. And now Hayden Hurst is out with a calf injury. So you could even see more targets condensed to those two big weapons. So I love Burrow double stacks this week if they don't get too popular. And then on the other side of the ball, we know Cleveland looked terrible last week with Sean Watson. Who would have guessed that someone who hasn't played football in two years, you know, is rusty in their first game back. But here's the thing about the Cleveland offense. They are good with Jacoby Brissett. We just need Deshaun Watson to be Jacoby Brissett for this game <laughs> to get there. Prior to uh, him coming in with Brissett there, this team was top five in EPA and yards per game on offense. So if Deshaun Watson can just be average this game can really get there i think from a ceiling perspective so i like it a lot yeah they're a big mystery to me on this slate of what to do with the browns players i think that there's upside with players like dpj's you know kind of underpriced nick chubb obviously can always go for 102 um it's it's i think this is one of my big takeaways from this year from just a managerial standpoint and leagues is if you're waiting on players i have so many questions from people that are always like i'm waiting Till OBJ gets back, what should I do? And they're asking like week seven or they're waiting for Watson. And we had a lot of people that really wanted us to talk up Watson because he was pretty cheap this past week on DraftKings. And so he was showing up in some of the optimals and beyond just the legal situation, it was just like, I don't know what to do. We haven't seen him play in a long time. I'm not playing him. And he was my player that I faded in our best plays that I said, Hey, I just can't do it. I can't play him anywhere. So I don't know. I, I still need to wait and see of stacking Watson, but I think there's pieces to fully game stack that one. I would agree with you. Which game do you want to be underweight on? Oh, man. Did you watch Monday Night Football? 
Oh, it was rough. And <laughs> yes, it was so I, bad. <laughs> did I lose one of my leagues for the second week in a row because of a Chris Olave non-catch? You betcha. Fantasy football is fun. Love that. Um, it's okay. I lost by one and a half points. Uh, thanks to Mike Evans for nothing. Um, yes, I'm talking about Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Again, with 37 total points projected from Vegas. I cannot do it. I understand if you want to go with a one-off play of McCaffrey or Kittle or whoever. But Tampa Bay right now, I mean, we give the uh, the the Broncos such a hard time for not hitting their team total. They have done it once. Tampa Bay just is not moving the ball. They are so inefficient. They really can't get it done. They have major issues in the offensive line. And when Nick Bosa has been healthy this year, San Francisco is top two in pressure rate on the league. We saw it with Tua last week. It was a real concern. I think Tampa Bay goes to San Francisco and just absolutely falls flat on their face. Um, the issue is they are also running on over 50% of their first downs. You cannot run on San Francisco. So they're going to turn into a one-dimensional offense with a terrible offensive line and a quarterback that can't move. It is recipe for disaster. I think Tampa Bay struggles to put up two touchdowns this week. Yeah, their team implied total is pretty, pretty low. We might it's be second lowest. The- Only team lower is the Texans. <laughs> yeah, when you see the Buccaneers in a game that has a 37 total, you would normally go, like, okay, who are they playing? Like the Panthers, the Broncos? Like, no, they are, they are the ones that is struggling. No, you're the problem, sir, actually. <laughs> I really wanted... I mean, the Saints should have won that game on for 20 reasons. I felt so bad for their defense, felt so bad for Cam Jordan, who had a big play earlier, you know, knocked the ball out, and, you know, their defense played great. So that division stinks. Just the worst. Just It's so like the bad. NFC East of, like, four or five years ago. Yes, I'm going to say a game that I want to be underweight on is Carolina-Seattle. Both teams are bottom five in plays per game. Carolina, one of the most inefficient teams in the league. Seattle's efficient, but they actually don't play uh, as many offensive plays as you would think. And the question is, who is this Seattle running back? I have no idea. Uh, It could be three or four different guys. So it could be Tony Jones Jr., who we'll talk about in a little bit. But... I don't really know how to fully stack that game other than if you wanted to do a Geno double stack and just say they get there from Metcalf and Lockett, that's fine. But I think overall the game environment is terrible. I won't be bringing it back with anybody in the Panthers. Which team are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total? Oh, interesting say conversation. <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> Seattle. I kind of disagree with you from a excitement about Seattle standpoint, mostly because my argument is like, if they, if they don't have Ken Walker, which, I mean, early in the week, it looks like he probably won't play. Um, Travis Homer's dealing with a knee sprain. DJ Dallas, high ankle sprain. Like, if it is Tony Jones Jr., he's going to be massive chalk because he's 4.8 or something like that. I forget what it is. We'll talk about it in a second. But then Gino double stacks, I think, will come in under-rostered. And Gino's been the most efficient quarterback in football this season. So I actually kind of like that for their overall offensive flow if they have to throw the ball. It could work out really well. You know, Lockett has a ceiling. Metcalf has a ceiling. And they've hit 24 points, which their team total is at 23.8 in five of the last six games. So I don't hate it, man. I think they can actually get there. I just don't think they'll need to put up enough points to really be pushed. Like, we how didn't think about that about the Rams either, did we? John Wolford is a goat, man. Don't, don't, don't mess with that, man. <laughs> but yeah, I okay. I see what you're saying. If you, are you saying you want to lean into a Geno double stack and not feel like you have to bring it back from anybody on the Panthers? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, if you want to throw in Lockjaw, that's fine too, just for the brand. Lock it and Lockjaw for the win? Dude, what a what a hot lineup that would be. Just just, just Millie Maker. If you win with that lineup, just like make sure that you like tag us 
and when everybody else sees it, just so they know why you put this in your lineup. Yes, please. I'm going to say Dallas. Their team implied total is over 30, and that's probably too low against the Texans. Since Dak has returned, they're first in points per drive, first in TD per drive rate, first and third downs. They've been killing it inside the red zone. I'm totally fine. We'll talk about it in a second. I'm totally fine with Tony Pollard and Cash. I think you can play him. I think there's a lot of fear this week of how many carries is Zeke going to get? Are they going to actually need to throw the ball? I think Pollard is totally safe, and he's not prized up enough for being a top seven running back this year. And once again, who is the team that you are most confident that hits the under the team implied total, also known as the Denver Broncos Memorial Award, as they've hit their team implied total two of 12 games, and they are 86 points under their team implied total for the year? They did it again. Last week, they did it again for us against the Ravens. You know, <laughs> it's just crazy at this point. But um, I'm going to go with Houston. I don't think they can get 14 points on the road against Dallas. They travel uh, to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. Number one pressure rate defense. Last two weeks with Kyle Allen, 15 and 14 points. They have not scored more than 17 in a game since week seven. There's a chance they go back to Davis Mills this week. There's a rumor about that. Who knows? Either way, Dallas, man, number one, scoring 11.6 your uh, points per game allowed number two in yards per play number one in epa per play i think it's gonna be an absolute train wreck and i'm gonna mention the buccaneers we talked about them earlier but at 16 and a half i just don't really want any parts of their offense like i guess you could play chris godwin if you want some consistent kind of ppr stuff kansas city is the only offense to hit their team implied total this year at san francisco and five straight teams have gone under their team implied total and yes like bet said if you watch monday night you go that is not an offense I want to buy into. So you can stay away from the Buccaneers. You can stay away from the Texans. Let's move on to our salary standouts. Salary standouts. I'd like to inform the people that Joe Burrow's price did move this week. Ooh, breaking up, news. Up $100 on DraftKings <laughs> at only seven k. He's kind of already one of my favorites, and it's not hard to understand why yeah and you know we, we know the passing ceiling is there but i was mentioning this on uh, twitter yesterday like looking at some of the stuff from his efficiency his uh you know design run stuff like that he's already well ahead of what he was doing from what the team was letting him do from a designed run standpoint out of shotgun this year and obviously we're only you know three quarters of the way through the year makes sense second year off the acl more mobile more confident so he's rushing and he has his guys back against Cleveland. It makes a ton of sense. I absolutely love him. Yeah, I Jason and I were watching that game, the Kansas City one and, and Cincinnati together. And it was interesting, like beyond just Burrow being able to scramble, like they can call design draws with him. And he's like an instinctual runner. I won't say like he's a great running quarterback, but he's like instinctual where it's like, oh, he can pick up 10 yards at a time if he needs to. We saw a rushing score this past week. So bake that in a player that's throwing at a crazy rate. Like, what do you think Joe Burrow is? Is he like 85, 90% of Josh Allen? He's getting there. I, I mean, he's never going to have, I don't think, the upside for 95, 100 rushing yards that Josh Allen right. has. But like you said, I mean, 32 yards, 46 yards, like 40 yards is a passing touchdown. He's going to give you that, I think, a handful of weeks throughout the year moving forward. And we know... You know, we talked about their number three in pass rate of expectation over the last month, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down at all. And what I love about Burrow and just like the entire offense is, like you said, when it does break down, 
he has so many outs. He can hit the the go ball or the jump ball to his perimeter guys, or he can dump it off to pick up you know six seven yards if he needs to, or he can just take off and pick up nine on his own. So there's very little plays that you just are kind of stuck and you're you know one dimensional with him. So I just think the offense is going to move for fantasy. The ceiling is there every week, and so is the floor. What if I told you in four career games against the Browns, he's averaging three fourteen and two? Would you take that? And and it, oh, I would love that. And at home, his splits are insane, and, and they're at home for this one against Cleveland. What if I told you he's 0-4 in four career starts against Cleveland? Mm, I like that trend to change this week. I think I do, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's set up well. They had some awesome back-and-forth games back in the past, but now this just looks a little bit different. But Joe Burrow, early in the week, seems like our top quarterback. There's a bunch of guys at the same price point. Jared Goff, Mike White... Tyler Huntley, basically all the same same price. Goff a little bit more expensive, fifty six hundred as opposed to fifty five hundred. Are you trying to get cute with any of those guys this week? I think it just depends on what we get from a value standpoint. If you need the savings to drop down in this range, I totally understand it. And speaking kind of to Tyler Huntley specifically, five point five k. The matchup isn't ideal against Pittsburgh. They've been a lot better in the last few weeks. But I went back and looked at his game logs and what he's done from a rushing standpoint when he's either started for Lamar Jackson or played 80% of the snaps or more. Basically, when he came in for relief when Lamar left early, he's averaging nine attempts for 54 yards and half a rushing touchdown per game. So if you're going to get somewhere around 50 yards on the ground at 5.5K with a chance to score, that matters a lot from a floor standpoint. It's tough because Lamar hasn't even hit a ceiling. So do I expect Tyler Huntley to hit a ceiling? I'm not sure. Um, and I, you know, cash games have been so tough that I've actually started to think more about ceiling in my cash game lineup than I normally do. And like Burrow could easily come out and put up 35 DK points. I'd be shocked if any of these guys have that in the range of outcomes, Huntley, Mike White, Jared Goff. I, we've seen a ceiling from Huntley in the past. I will add that. But I think my reason why I don't really have to go to Huntley this week is because the total's super low. It's at 37 and the Steelers defense, we'll talk about them in a second, is showing up as one of our favorite defenses already in the week. So I'm obviously not playing quarterback versus my defense in my cash game lineup. Um, I mentioned White earlier, just the plays you're getting. It's probably more interesting from a stacking perspective, Jets and Bills. And then I think Goff is going to be the cheap, like Trevor Lawrence of this week. Like Trevor Lawrence was, it was either Burrow or Lawrence for us last week. I could see Burrow or Goff. Goff at home has been awesome. 17 passing touchdowns in seven games. I just like Burrow a lot more, and I'm willing to pay $1,400 more. So that's doable. Jalen Hurts was one of the players last week that we had in our GPP pool, and we told people, like, hey, he's not going to be played as much. So a Hurts and A.J. Brown. I remember getting a couple questions about A.J. Brown. I was like, I don't know if I can play him in cash, but I think he's a great GPP play. He smashed. I think Hurts on Fanduel's a, a great play early in the week. That's kind of where I'm at. Let's talk about running backs here. What are the situations that still need to kind of shake out? Tony Jones at 4.8, it's he's not good. I will tell people that. I don't think he's good, but you're paying for a player that's probably going to see 15-plus touches if he's the dude. Yeah, somewhere around there. And Carolina, you can run on the Panthers, so it, it makes a lot of sense. I mentioned earlier in the show how I think that might be really interesting from a GPP leverage standpoint. Like If he does open up as the play... I'd love Geno doubles to fade that. But in cash games, like if you were going to get 15 touches from Tony Jones, you know, they're at home, they're favored. It's a good matchup. 
I think you just kind of, you know, close your eyes and click the button sort of thing and just don't worry about it. Don't watch the game because the field is going to play it. So if he's 90% double ups, like who cares kind of thing. So for me, I would probably play him if he was the dude by himself. Tony Pollard at 6.7 against the Texans. Ideally, we'd like to have one running back who's all by himself and we know he's playing this, the whole game. Like, here's a very real scenario where Tony Pollard gets 15 touches and doesn't even sniff the fourth quarter. But he's the most efficient running back in the NFL. He's averaging the most yards after contact per attempt and a league leading 9% explosive play rate. So 15 plus yard runs. So I'm comfortable playing Pollard early in the week. Do you have a lean? Yeah, I'm fine with him for sure. I mean, his upside is massive. I think his floor is safe because we know he will contribute a little bit in the passing game as well. And that matters to me so much on drafting. So the matchup's too good. The team total is too good. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. What about your boy, Miles Sanders? 6.2. He's 7.1 on FanDuel. I think he's in a good spot against the Giants team that's bottom five in yards per carry allowed. Interested or is it like I, I might not get a target this game? I mean, his floor for targets every week is zero. We, he has many of those in his game log. So it's tough for me from a cash game standpoint to click the button on Miles Sanders knowing that. That said, if he's not going to be rostered, we'll see what happens come Friday. I'll be very interested in GPPs because, you know, the Eagles over the last couple of weeks, they've shown they're very able to adapt how they play. Like they basically made Jalen Hurts a traditional pocket passer last week, and he shredded them from 11 personnel because the Tennessee Titans can't stop the pass week before they ran all over the Packers because the Packers can't stop the run. And like you said, the Giants, they struggle to stop the run. So I would not be surprised if Miles Sanders sees 18, 19, 20 carries in this game. And if he's not going to be played, I am very interested. It's just for cash. Any running back for me that doesn't catch the football is always a little scary. He's, he's a little bit better in my mind than a Damian Pierce, where you can lean into their team total. You can lean in the fact that they're good at running the ball. So I feel more comfortable with him knowing that he doesn't get the targets that I, I quite want. So I'm fine with Miles Sanders, 6.2. I like CMC, especially on FanDuel at 8.5. He was the dude this past week. The matchup against Tampa Bay is not great, but with Brock Purdy, it was pretty clear, like, let's lean on CMC. Let's let him be the guy interested in paying up for CMC. I mean, especially if we get someone that, allows us salary savings like Tony Jones, then yeah, you can get up to CMC pretty easily on this slate if you want to. And like you said, with Brock Purdy, I do think they're probably going to be not conservative because they definitely let him throw, but just easy throws, right? Like, you know, option routes for CMC or angle routes out of the backfield, get hopefully get Kittle involved, uh, but get Debo involved, like on quick hitters, stuff like that. So yeah, I think CMC could easily see a situation where he gets you six, seven catches. And like I've been saying all year, like on DraftKings, that matters so much. So yeah, if you can get up to him, I, I do like him in the spot. And I want to mention the Yeti, Derrick Henry, 7,900 on DraftKings, 9,000 on FanDuel. It's a great spot against the Jaguars. I want to play him in GPPs. We'll see how the weather turns out. We'll see how things, but I think we're still waiting for an eruption. Like he was just completely game scripted out. They had to throw this past week. So just want to put him on your radar for tournaments. Derrick Henry, I'm uh, I'm definitely interested. Let's move into wide receivers. Amon Ra, still not at that 8K mark on DraftKings. 7,800. Is, is it an early week? Are you locking in early week, Amon Ra? Do you know who you're talking to, buddy? Come on. You're talking to the guy that has him on like every best ball team. <laughs> so yes, I'm locking in Amon Ra at 7 point eight 
if you just if you want analysis on him on Arce Brown, just go back to every previous week's episode because we just keep saying the same thing. You're getting 10 targets, and he should be way more expensive than he is. And oh, by the way, the Vikings have allowed the most receiving yards in the league to wide receivers. Incredible spot at home. Yeah, we've been picking on Shannon Sullivan in the slot all year long for the Vikings. So I did look at my best ball lineups. I did look at the ones that were performing the best, and two of them have him on Raw on it. So thank you, Betts, for, uh, you know, I, I was so open. I was just open, ready to learn all summer long about You were just flushing Raw. money down the toilet all summer, Kyle. You didn't even know it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It, okay, so best ball conversation, which that'll be part of our off-season awards. You know, best ball awards, best ball, you know, things we said, dumb things we Definitely. said. Uh, I have some Justin Fields ones that are doing work. I don't know if you have any of those. Like, Justin Fields oh, ended yeah. up being one of my top, you know, two quarterbacks. But a lot of those teams also have Russell Wilson on them. And he it's just been Justin Fields just carrying those teams uh, to victory. So, we'll see. We'll see how we turn out. We still got some uh, some games in front of us. So, Amon Ra, 7.8. The matchup's great. The Jags wide receivers are back on a radar this week because they play the Titans, which are a pass funnel. Christian Kirk at 6.6. He's a little bit of a, a price hike. And then Zay Jones, who was bad last week, goes down to 4.7. Tell me about the Jags, guys. Yeah, I mean, the matchup, like you said, is incredible. Tennessee really struggling in the secondary. So we think that they can have success with their passing game. It's just that, you know, like Christian Kirk, when he's down at 6.1, 6.3, very comfortable to click the button when he starts to approach 7k it's more of a conversation so i'm not saying that he's a bad play it's just that he'll have to keep doing what he's doing to pay it off he's been great he's getting volume and then zay jones you know he's the classic 4k guy that you know has four targets in his game log and two catches and it's terrifying you know that's what it is (laughs) we saw it last week in a great spot so if one of these guys fails i will be not surprised based off zay jones recent performances um, Christian Kirk feels safe. The matchup is just really good. So if you can build a balanced lineup with Kirk and Amon Ra in there, I do like that. Again, it's just more of a decision when he starts to get close to 7K. Should we just like look at last week's articles? Because it's Amon Ra. It's Garrett Wilson, who's at 5.9, who's showing up already as, as a stellar play. And Christian Kirk, like we could have the same wide receivers in our cash game lineup this week. I'm just going to copy and paste it and see if anyone notices. Just, just same blurbs, same everything, same matchups too. Like, don't even, don't yep. even, don't even change them. <laughs> Jerry Judy, five point four. I don't think I can do it. I'm sorry. If you want five for like sixty, it's fine. If you're hoping for any ceiling in your lineup, I'd be very concerned. But Cortland Sutton has a hamstring injury. KJ Hamler's on IR. We kind of know the situation. It's like with Sutton, if you've been playing him in like redraft leagues. You kind of like at the end of the day, you're like, oh, sweet, like 10 points from Colton Sutton, but he's never going to win you a GPP. So, you know, Judy's fine for where he is in cash games. But as you can tell by the way we're talking about it, we don't really love it against the Chiefs. He's Deontay Johnson. That's what you're getting. You're getting someone who's going to go five for 60 and never, ever, ever, ever score a touchdown. It's so sad. I know. It has to happen eventually for Deontay, right? I, I'm... Totally, I didn't draft Deontay Johnson once this year, so I'm totally fine if he never scores a touchdown the rest of his career. That's fine. <laughs> the rest uh, of his career. I I don't know why. I think it's a funny bit to tell just that someone's out of the league. Like obviously, these are great athletes. 
let me just be clear. Like Deontay Johnson on the Chiefs would slay. Like he he would do awesome. It's a rookie quarterback. But I just think it's hilarious when you get to just declare a player who's clearly not going to be out of the league that they're just oh they're out of the league they're done, um, they're going to retire. I have two wide receivers here that are kind of in the middle tier, so not quite in punt range, but Darius Slayton at five point one against your Eagles and DPJ four point nine against the Bengals. They're kind of the same player, right? Like they're the same body type, same big body receiver that can go deep. Do you have a certain lean on those two? I mean, if I have to pick one, I think I lean towards DPJ. Just overall game environment, it's a little bit of a higher total. And, you know, these splits are kind of silly, but I feel like for Amari Cooper, they matter. Like, they're on the road. DPJ is better on the road for whatever reason. Um, and just a little bit cheaper. So I think I lean that way. But if anyone had a strong feeling about Slayton, who he's been quietly very, very good, I would not have any issues with that at all. It's just that he'll have a little bit more of a tough matchup this week against uh, the perimeter guys for Philly. I think they're going to fit a lot of builds this week, so just some names to monitor. On FanDuel, Justin Jefferson is 9.3, so he's a bit undervalued for his ceiling. We've already talked about that game. And then our boy T. Higgins at 7.8. Love him. Still love him. Still going to keep playing some T. Higgins. Didn't quite get there this past week despite getting in the end zone. So, I mean, we're just going to keep talking about him until he retires, until he's out of the league. Can't wait. It's going to be like 10 years from now, but I cannot wait for the T. Higgins continued um, <laughs> yeah, advice. <laughs> Only for him to blow up three, three times a year. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, tight end, we mentioned T.J. Hawkinson in a revenge game. I, I like him. I think his price point's fine. It's not great for cash, 5.1. Um, so if you want to pay up for Kelsey in the slate, you know it's a, it's a lot more. But Hawkinson at 5.1. I just want to pour one out for George Kittle. He's now at 4.3. He was a steal last week, I thought, at 5K. Now he's 4.3, and now it's even more tantalizing. I Sure, do it in a tournament, but we already said we don't really like that game environment against Tampa Bay. I do like the return of Greg D at 3.4 against Kansas City. Nathaniel Hackett came out and said, we're basically using this guy as a wide receiver from here on out. 55% of his snaps were in the slot. Took me a second there, but there it is. That's why I don't like Jerry Judy as much because I think Greg D is my early favorite at tight end. Yeah, I would absolutely not play both of them in the same lineup. That sounds <laughs> like a good way to burn some money. <laughs> but yes, I'm with you. If you need the savings at tight end, you know, especially concerning the price, I would absolutely play Greg Dulcich over Jerry Judy. Um, yeah, three point four is pretty good. He's been a guy that was popular two, three, four weeks in a row before. You know this week and he kind of disappointed we saw what is in his range of outcomes and let's be honest any tight end that we're playing in the low 3k range has an air ball in the range of outcomes so if i'm playing one like give me one that has a chance to go six for 75 not many guys can we at least know he can do it so please russell wilson one time have a competent game on the road for us against the chiefs and if you're waiting for us to mention foster moreau he's not on the main slate this week so oh you mean tony gonzalez jr yeah we can't talk Mm. about him i want to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will say, I think people will look at a punt play this week. Hayden Hurst is already doubtful to start the week. I, I'm i not going to Mitchell Wilcox. He's at 2.7. I did have some fun Googling what he was like at the Combine. He was really bad. He got hit in the face on the, uh, <laughs> in doing the <laughs> is drills. Is this a direct quote? Yeah, this is a direct quote. Mitchell Wilcox was hit in the face during his first attempt at the gauntlet drill, almost fell on his face during his second <laughs> attempt, and then actually did fall on the next drill. And he had the second worst 40 time among tight ends. So (laughs) 
No thanks. No thank you. <laughs> that cannot be real. Is that real? It I'm going to go look that up after we're done. Oh, it is real. I'll, I'll, I'll find the tape. Um, on FanDuel, I don't mind the Muth at 5.8. He's, uh, I think he's fine. I don't think he, I think his ceiling is, you know, 12 to 15 points. Like you're not going to get anything more than that. But I think he's fine for cash at his price. And then a defense, speaking of the Steelers, 2.8 on DraftKings, 3.8 on FanDuel. They're facing Tyler Huntley. So you're going to get some opportunities for turnovers. And we already said that the game total is super low at three point, uh, at 37. So I think they're my favorite early sub three uh, pick on DraftKings. Yeah, the Ravens have had serious issues on the offense side of the ball. You know, not just with the quarterback issues with Lamar Jackson, like Ronnie Stanley has still been injured and they can't move the ball. They're so inefficient. They're not scoring. So it makes sense. I really don't hate it at all. Um, especially with uh, TJ Watt back in the lineup. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'll also throw out, if you have the money, we'll see what happens with our savings options elsewhere. To get to San Francisco at 3.2 against Tampa, whether it's in cash or in tournaments, I will be, at least be playing one lineup featuring Nick Bosa against this backup offensive line. Not a bad call at all. If you want to play with us, you can go to ballersdfs.com, play in our DraftKings League, Borg Plus Bets. I think people don't realize this, that there's a contest live right now, 600 person, and... There's just spots that sometimes don't fill up, and it's free money, right? There's just free money for the people just sitting out there. So if you want to join us, make sure you go to ballersdfs.com, play in a contest with us, including this week I might throw out a little fun Thursday night contest where somebody gets to battle bets one-on-one. How does... I don't think, <laughs> I don't think do that. that's how that works. That's called a head-to-head? I don't think you can create that for me. <laughs> Dude, let's go head-to-head this Thursday. You and me? Yeah. On a little showdown? Okay, I'm I'm in. I'll do it. I, I, what's funny about showdown is it's not really my thing. It, it, I think it's something you're pretty good at and you write up. Andy's gotten a lot better at it. Jason has the worst strategy for it, but yes. but, but Andy Andy's <laughs> actually gotten pretty good. He's had good showdown results. Yeah, he won the Millie last year with uh, with showdown. So maybe we should uh, consult with Andy on showdown. He should consult with us for the, the face-off for Fridays. And uh, maybe we'll both get some results that we want. That'd be a really fun thing. I feel like the people, I need a groundswell of people. I need you right now, a groundswell, to basically say, Andy, I hear that you're a very good showdown DFS player. I'd love to have a weekly showdown contest with you this next year. And then it's like Andy's thing with DFS. That could be fun. I'm in. Wow. Just talking marketing ideas, just live on the podcast. What could go wrong here, right? Love it. I'm going to, I'll mention it to him on Twitter. All right. Sign us off. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it'll be a good showdown slate for Thursday, so come play with us there. But we got a main slate to prepare for on Friday, so we'll see you then. Have a great week. Stay into the news. Get in the DFS pass. It is so cheap, and let's be honest, you want it for Christmas, so go buy it. We'll see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.